Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. I was uh, preaching, uh, pastoring up in Eugene, Oregon uh, some years ago, and uh, our church was just down below a very prominent uh, section of this uh, city where some wealthy people lived, and uh, uh, through a series of events, a school teacher that lived up there and her friend came to one of our services in our little church and and she was uh, overheard to lean over to her friend and say uh, there's just just a bunch of poor folks in here <laughs> so many people when they come into our churches uh it's very interesting because uh they come in and they're looking for some spiritual bodybuilder material. They're looking for uh, somebody that, uh, you know, they've, spiritually, they, you know. And so, spiritually speaking, all they see is little uh, spindly leg, uh, cave-chested Christian folks that are in the process of being disciple. And they're not very impressed. I said they're not very impressed. But you see, the issue is not what we are. The issue is what we can become. Regardless of what race you are, regardless of what level of society you are, regardless of who you are today, the final verdict is not here tonight. The final verdict is what we can become. When Jesus was at Caesarea Philippi, with the disciples, and the question was asked, Matthew 16, who do men said, I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. There's a tremendous insight that we get there because Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you are Peter, which is Petros. It means a little stone. And upon this rock, which is Petro, this massive rock, I'm going to build my church. Now, he was not speaking of what Peter was. He was speaking of what Peter was going to become because you and I both know that Peter failed miserably in the denial of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he was not speaking about what Peter was at that moment, but he was speaking about what Peter was going to become after his failure and his restoration And this is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the message of the entire book, if we could say so. It is uh, what we can become in God. But the key is in this text that we have here tonight, and the key is uh, largeness of heart in disciple makers or magnanimity would be a synonym that we could use. And this is so profound in Peter's restoration 
And I want to call your attention to a story from Elisha's ministry in Second uh, Kings 6, beginning with verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with him. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, "Uh, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Now Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. So it was... When they'd come to Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw, and there they were inside Samaria. They're surrounded with a Samaritan army. Now, when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? But he answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive Uh, With your sword and your bow, set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Then he prepared a great feast for them. And after they ate and drank, he sent them away and they went to their master. So the bands of Syrian raiders came no more into the land of Israel. I want to talk to you tonight about releasing God's potential. First of all, I want to point out the call tonight to largeness of heart or magnanimity. Now, this doesn't come naturally. And the reason this does not come naturally is that we are fallen humanity. You know the story in the garden, man made a decision, and self-interest is the curse of the fall. The devil said that if you will disobey God, partake of this fruit, you're going to become gods. And so something happened in that decision And self-idolatry replaced God in their heart. And this this issue and this practice has tainted all of us who are in this building and has brought to us what could be described as small-mindedness. That means that we never see beyond our self-interest naturally. You can tell, someone said, the character of a man by how he treats those who can do nothing to him or for him. In saying that, there is this business of self-interest and self-idolatry brought forward. And so the call is to largeness of heart. And largeness of heart is rooted in human compassion. In verse 22, think of this now for a moment. He says, you shall not kill them. Here is a tremendous expression of grace. In 1 Peter 2.24, we see this godly uh, facet of grace working in the human personality that worked out in our Lord Jesus Christ, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. You see, largeness of heart is the ability to have grace when another person is made vulnerable. 
Stick with me till I get through. We're talking about making disciples. In the book of Ecclesiastes 7, 21 and 22 said, and do also do not take to heart everything people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you for many times also your own heart has known that even you've cursed others. So here we have the human personality. We have the flaw of human personality whereby self is enthroned, self-idolatry. And it was Spurgeon, I believe, who said that every man ought to cultivate a blind eye and a deaf ear. Largeness of heart is the key to making disciples. Leaders and pastors can say anything about anyone because they're responsible. But if a little guy says anything and dares criticize them, they're rebels and they're gossip. Isn't that an interesting facet of human personality? <laughs> Let's define largeness of heart. Large-minded, large-hearted, generous disposition, noble, liberal, and a synonym for this is great-souled, or in other words, it is a heart large enough to not hold grudges. Now, small-mindedness is lacking tolerance, and it is lacking breadth of vision. It produces a man that is partial and is judgmental and is narrow-minded and cannot pass over a matter, cannot see beyond what a person is at the moment. Small-mindedness means that if one uh, is offended or if someone has said something about them or if they are criticized or someone doesn't dance their tune, then they cannot pass over a matter. If they find a flaw or a fault in someone else, uh, then they must deal with that immediately. They must bring that to task and call that uh, uh, to the front and deal with that. They simply cannot pass over a matter they must deal with a person and they can't see what a person is, beyond what a person is at the moment to, to what they can become. Here in the text that we have, we see such a tremendous thing. These people came down to kill Elisha. <laughs> what a tremendous revelation. See, that army wasn't there doing maneuvers. That army came down specifically because somebody fingered Elisha and said, Elisha's the guy that every time we're trying to uh, defeat the, the enemy, uh, he's the guy that says they're going to be over there, they're going to be here, don't go there, don't go there. And they came down specifically to kill Elisha. And the Bible says uh, these tremendous words uh, that we read uh, in the reaction of this man. You see, Paul gives him instruction and he also rebukes the lack of largeness of heart. Second Corinthians 6, 11 through 13 says, we've spoken freely to you Corinthians and opened wide our hearts to you. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you're withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts. Here's Paul, and Paul is dealing with these Corinthians as he's dealing with these Corinthians. They are narrow-minded, they are narrow-hearted, they're small-minded and small-hearted, and he is appealing to them, and he says, we've been large, uh, 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 largeness of heart to you, but you've been very narrow towards us. 
in Philippians 2, verse 4. And verse 21 says, let each of you look uh, out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. For all seek your own, uh, not the things uh, which are Jesus Christ. Now, isn't it interesting uh, that uh, this, uh, this, this, uh, there's a perverse element uh, and dimension in human nature? We see Ham, and Ham one day goes to his father's tent. I don't know what was involved, but whatever it was was very bad. Noah's drunken skunk, and he's crashed out in his tent. And Ham comes, and rather than feel compassion and mercy for his father, he goes, and he saw in his father a father's failure and enjoyment and to mock him. Now, this is a perverse uh, a little facet of human personality. You ever notice how, uh, how cruel children are? Some poor little child has to wear glasses when he's uh, seven years old in school, and uh, immediately, four eyes, four eyes, four eyes, four eyes. Any flaw that they may have, any crippling injury, they, they, they don't look with compassion on it. They make that the butt of their jokes and their criticism, right? If they happen to be a little bit overweight, fatty, fatty, two by four, couldn't get through the kitchen door. Isn't that right? But you see, that's children. But when you come to adulthood... When that is played out upon the arena of life, it is far more serious when you and I cannot pass over a matter. You see, Elisha passed over a matter, and in doing that, he patterned the spirit of the living God in grace. And if you want to make disciples, you're going to have to understand what largeness of heart is, and it's the ability to pass over a matter, and when someone's vulnerable, you are uh, you are uh, leaving that for a future time because you see what they can become. The second is the crucial issue that we have here because uh, we're dealing many times with small-minded men. And in small-minded men, they can't see beyond themselves or they cannot see the present state of people or circumstances because they're busy building their own ego. And so their own ego is challenged. If anyone happens to be in their church or one of their disciples or someone that they've assigned to a task and they fail or they don't perform up to their expectation, this is a direct assault their ego and so they make this an issue and all they can see in many people is flaws and shortcomings and mistakes and not only that but they will take advantage of someone else's vulnerabilities to promote themselves a small-minded person this is a crucial issue stay with me a small-minded person cannot countenance any dissent here in Luke 9.54, we find some of the top disciples of Jesus. I mean, these guys are on the top rung. 
But as they're uh, uh, out and about, uh, they see someone that's casting out demons uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, and they're not a part of their little uh, club. And uh, these words come out of their mouth, Luke 9, 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elisha did? (laughs) Filled with love. See, what happens is that these people see a position that they have as an opportunity for self-exaltation and they're always continually protecting their image and defending their position and defending their, uh, uh, their position. What happens, and a crucial issue that is here, is the future impact and influence that a person's going to make. Remember that. In every event of life, uh, it is how we handle this event uh, on, uh, that is going to determine how it plays out in the future. And so we have a phenomenal uh, revelation here because there's a future impact and influence that is made. And the, in verse 23, it says these words, the bands of the Syrian raiders came no more. Now think about this for a moment uh, because uh, uh, there's a profound influence uh, that is made for the future and they change the course of a nation by the decision that they made and the issue is largeness of heart and largeness of heart is vital. Men who have no largeness of heart cannot make disciples. The reason they cannot make disciples is that they have no vision for the future. They're always dealing in the present. They cannot pass over a matter. The slightest infraction, the slightest deviation, the slightest flaw, the slightest little factor, they have to make this a major issue because the real issue is that their ego is on the line. And so they cannot... Make disciples uh, if they have no uh, uh, largeness of heart uh, and the development uh, for the future is the key. Second Corinthians 12 and verse 15, here's Paul is in anguish. And he says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I'm loved. Here's the apostle Paul, and he's dealing with this, and he's no doubt having anguish of heart as he's having to deal with this issue. And he sees this, as he sees this in in the disciples and those that he's ministered to, he said, I have spent and uh, and I will spend for your souls, though it seems like the more I spend on you, the less uh, abundantly uh, you love me, and the more I put out, the less you love me. Now, an embryo disciple is absent the apparent elements that qualify them for ministry. See, many people don't understand that. They're always looking for the perfect disciple. That's why they never make any disciple and they never plant any churches because they can't find any perfect people to plant. Are you still following me? And the issue is they have not 
large enough of heart to see what these people can become. When Jesus said these words to Peter at Caesarea Philippi, he already knew that uh, Peter was headed for a desperate failure. And yet he says to them, you're a little rock, but I say to you, Peter, that's what your name means. I say to you that you're going to be a, a rock, which is Petra, a massive rock. This is what you're going to become. And he was not saying what Peter was. He was saying what Peter was going to be. And tonight in this building, we are having these pioneer rallies to fulfill our vision of stirring workers for the harvest fields. Can you say amen? That's what we're after. Thank God for these reports tonight. These young men uh, that James, uh, you're still young. Amen. These young men that have a vision for the harvest field and uh, are, are out excited for God. That's what we're all about tonight. Uh, but you see, the reason that many people cannot make disciples is they cannot pass over matter. They have no largeness of heart and they do not understand uh, that the future is the issue, not the present. See, largeness of heart enables us to look beyond the present shortcomings to what a man can become. Here's David, and the Bible says as David was at the, uh, a fugitive at the cave of Abdullam, the Bible says that uh, uh, men began to come to him, and listen to what the scripture says in 1 Samuel 22, 2, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, so he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him, and uh, what this means, this can they were bitter of soul, one translator says. They had grievances or were disaffected. These are the men that came to David. And out of those 400 men, the 37 mighty men that are recorded in the scripture came out of that group of 400 men that were a mess. Very interesting. I was thinking about this in the present uh, affairs of life, uh, the United States of America is a phenomenal country. Most of you too young to remember World War II, but in World War II, uh, Germany and Japan, evil regimes, evil empires, uh, Adolf Hitler and, and uh, uh, the Emperor Hirohito of Japan uh, launched uh, world wars uh, to the conquest, punished uh, those that uh, di disagreed with them, tortured, uh, cruel, inhuman, to, and, uh, and those uh, populaces joined with them willingly. But when the war was over, the United States of America principally rebuilt those nations and made them better off than they ever were before the war. Out of magnanimity or largeness of heart. Actually, Iraq is a very fortunate country. Before they come out of there, they're going to be uh, sitting uh, in Fat City because we will rebuild them. Actually, these little banana republics down in South America ought to declare war onto us and get whipped, and, and they'd, uh, they'd be moved immediately. <laughs> Then
This is because there's something still in the character of America of largeness of heart and magnanimity that has no evil designs upon those that we defeat, but rather goodwill goes out to try to restore and bring those people into a better place. Now, Scripture spells this out. I want to point this out to you. In 1 Samuel 11, 12 and 13, then the people said to Samuel, who is he who said, Saul, shall Saul reign over us? Bring them in that we may put them to death. But Saul said, not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. We see this again in Ziklag, and when David went and conquered the Egyptians and got back the spoil, and they come back, some of the men said they didn't go with us, so they're not getting anything out of the spoil. But David said, not so. We're going to share alike. Those that went and those that stay behind are going to share alike. It was out of the largeness of heart that that issue came to the forefront and largeness of heart moves upon a person and they maintain the relationship to give God time to work. See, the problem we have is that we, uh, too often out of the equation, we stand God aside and with our wisdom and genius, we're going to judge what we're going to do and we move like men move. We try to run our churches like General Motors. We try to run our churches like a, uh, a business establishment and we forget uh, that God is involved and God is involved with people and he cares about people. And so as we begin to uh, realize that we need to give God time to work in any circumstance or affair, in Revelation 2.21, the Bible says, I gave her time to repent. I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. But the issue is that God who is long-suffering, and not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, uh, is in his very nature able to encompass and deal with souls. And one of the things that we have to do as we make disciples is a continued involvement in their lives, looking towards their future. Now think about this for a moment, because here, uh, 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 here is this, this story. These people came to kill Elisha, and this magnanimous largeness of heart, this, this gesture that's almost beyond description... He, out of the grace of God, does not kill them and will not let the king of Syria uh, kill them. And he affected an entire nation because the Bible said those bands came no more. Now, I want to talk to you for a moment about the key to largeness of heart. You see, the key to largeness of heart is how you view people. We have a classic story in the Old Testament, and uh, this is the story of Rehoboam. And uh, he, you know the story, he's uh, Solomon's son. And uh, as uh, Solomon has left, he's come to the ascendancy. He now has the seat of power. And uh, so the people come to him and they say, look, you're going to have to cut us some slack here. Uh, make our yoke easier. And uh, he, he's not sure what he should do. And so he talks to the old man and the old man says, uh, what you need to do is you need to listen to the people and you need to speak kindly to them. And if you'll speak kindly to them, then they'll be your servants forever. 
But you see, Rehoboam had no largeness of heart. He's like a, he's like a pastor who's appointed to a church that he didn't labor for. He's the, he's a, he's a head dude now. You know, he's a heavy dude. He didn't win those people. He didn't bring those in, but circumstances came and he was the guy that was online. He got put in charge. And so he's going to throw his weight around a little bit. So Rehoboam talked to the young fellows who young, you know, a man didn't have his brain engaged until he gets 40. And so he talks to the young men. You like that? As Scott Lamb says, you can't hit your butt with two hands in a mirror. Amen. And so he asked the young man, said, what should I say? And he says, listen, what you need to do, you're the catbird now. You're in the catbird seat. And what you need to tell those folks is, I want to tell you that uh, my little finger is bigger than my father's whole thigh. You're getting no, no slack of any kind. You'll do exactly what I tell you. And if you don't, well, you're finished. And he split the kingdom wide open. And 1 Kings 12.10, then the young man who'd grown up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you should speak to this people who have spoken to you, say, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus shall you say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And so he didn't listen for the heart of the people. He was pushing the people to his agenda. And as he pushed the people to his agenda under the guise of kingdom of God, he made a fatal mistake that cost him his ministry and his kingdom. You see, people are very valuable to God. And we could go in several directions as how to I had a, a pastor in one place, and so uh, he's uh, just starting out. He's got some people that have joined him from another church, and so uh, he's got a building. And uh, as he's got the building, uh, uh, the people who've joined with him, uh, they're laboring. They work at jobs in the daytime. They're in the night. They're re- trying to re- get the building ready. And this guy goes on holiday. Hey, you slobs, get that building ready. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to... That's how you lose your ministry. See, these people are volunteers. You know what a volunteer is? It means they don't have to come to church. And they don't have to go to your church. They're volunteers. These people have the view that people are chattel. They're merchandise to be bartered for your own ego gratification. Listen to me. If you're real mad, listen real carefully now. Because what we're dealing with in people is God has appointed you and assigned you and assigned me to help people to become what he wants them to be. There are no perfect people that are going to come into your church. If they come in, they look really good, throw them out. (laughs) And it'll cause you a world of trouble. 
Give me a drug addict. Give me a prostitute. Give me an immoral man. Give me somebody drug out of the gutter and they will listen to what you have to say. They come in from another church. They're looking pretty spiffy. They're there three services. Say, <clears throat> uh, you know, I play an instrument, you know. Uh, I sing, you know, I, uh, I sing. Yeah, so do I, but not very good. <laughs> Throw them out. You see, the key to largeness of heart is a focus on serving others. Look at their text that we read. This is a phenomenal story. And he says, set meat before them and drink and send them away. Now think about this. Here these people are. They come to kill him. They, they're on a mission to assassinate this guy. And he takes them down They've got them dead to rights. I mean, this is all. They're surrounded. They're in, this, in, this, in the middle of the city of Samaria, and they're surrounded by walls, and the army of Samaria is there, and they're dead men. But he says, uh, put this T-bone steaks on. Get some free holies out. Let's have some, <laughs> let's have some, let's have some bean burrows. Let's, uh, how about some tacos? Let's set this on. And he sets this on. And after they've ate, ate all that they can eat, he said, you're free going back home. Now these people are totally vulnerable. Totally vulnerable. And all he would have had to do is say, kill every one of them. And he would have been fully justified and they would have obeyed him and killed him. So what we have here is a God-given dimension. As I said before, largeness of heart does not come automatically, does not come easily because we, uh, at the, in the fall of man, self was enthroned and from that moment, self became God and God was dethroned and God has to give a dimension. In 1 Kings 4.29, listen. God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Now here is Solomon and the Bible says he did not possess this as a natural gift, but God dropped it on him and gave him a dimension of grace. And Isaiah 60 verse 5 says, your heart shall thrill and be enlarged. Now, this is, doesn't come automatically. This is linked to people, as you'll see in just a moment. This is not something that's automatic. It's linked to people, and your treatment of people and your treatment of people releases God's potential. God begins to move through you, and he begins to touch these lives. And remember, in Solomon's case, this was linked to a prayer request in 1 Kings 3, 9, Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart uh, to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Uh, or in other words, he wanted a genuine heart, uh, a hearing heart with genuine concern. David, greatness is hinged right here. Acts thirteen thirty six. the Bible uh, says uh, that uh, David uh, served his generation by the will of God. Now in 1 Kings 3, 9, when Solomon prayed that prayer, 
Uh, he said, Lord, enlarge my heart uh, or stretch my heart, one translator has said. Uh, there's a very significant imagery that is given there. In sports, they've discovered something in sport. They've discovered that when a muscle is stretched, then it can function to its full capacity. Now, this is painful. And this is time-consuming. And if you watch athletes as they're preparing, you see them. They're going through these stretching exercises, uh, and uh, they're bending and and doing all kinds of contortion. And what they're doing is they're stretching those muscles uh, so that uh, they can reach their full uh, potential. It takes time. It's time-consuming. It's it's, uh, it's, uh, 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 painful, but it is absolutely essential, especially as they get older. Now, I go to prayer every morning. There was a day when I, and I always, almost always kneel down on the platform and sit on the platform. There was a day when a minute I'm through, I could spring up like a spring. I'm, I'm up out of there. But I noticed that now I'm having to... <laughs> because those muscles have not been stretched those muscles, as you get older, are not nearly as elastic as they were when you were young. This is true in the spiritual realm. The older you get, the less apt you are to be able to be stretched with largeness of heart to, to be able to deal with people. The older you get, the more narrow-minded you become. Tremendous danger, older pastors... You get a little bit older, you say, people are dispensable. But don't forget that largeness of heart is linked to your attitude and treatment of people. Let's go back to David for a moment, or, or, or Jesus rather, Jesus and Peter. Here's Peter, he fails miserably. And they're on the Sea of Galilee, and you know the little scenario, John 21. And Jesus now says to Peter, Peter, lovest thou me? And you know the scenario, feed my sheep, he says three times. Uh, and so from a flawed, failing disciple, a human being that is so much like you and I, there comes a man who impacted 3,000 souls in one sermon. He stands and preaches and 3,000 souls get saved and then 5,000 because something had happened to Peter's heart, a supernatural dimension beyond the mechanics to reach hearts. Yeah, he would baptize the Holy Ghost. That's what he spoke in tongues. Well, there's a lot of people that speak in tongues and they preach and his diddly squat happens. <laughs> now, there's something's happened to Peter. You see, out of the failure... Uh, he now sees an understanding that what God's interested in is people and uh, there's a largeness of heart and that largeness of heart has moved a dimension beyond the mechanics to reach the hearts of men. He now sees himself as vulnerable. This is why I just love that little verse of scripture over in Ecclesiastes 7, 21 and 22. Also did not take to heart everything people say lest you hear your servant cursing you. For many times, also, your own heart has known that you've cursed others also. 
Can you say amen? amen? The ability to pass over a matter. There's a man who was Abraham Lincoln's Secretary of War. His name was Seward. And he was a constant critic of Lincoln. He ridiculed, he insulted him, and uh, he, he called President Lincoln an ignorant gorilla. This is the Secretary of War. And someone came one day and said to Mr. Lincoln, Mr. Lincoln, uh, do, have you heard what Seward is saying about you? And Lincoln says these words. He says, well, I've discovered that Mr. Seward's usually right. <laughs> he refused to rise. Lincoln was assassinated, and Mr. Seward gave one of the eulogies. And in his eulogy, he said, there lies one of the greatest men who ever lived. You want a big church? No, you don't want a big church. You want a little bitty church, don't you? You want a big church? You want to preach and have people respond? You want to make an impact? Here it is, the largeness of heart. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.